fans, look, they probably hate me, do you know what I mean, mm. for what happened and, and that sort of thing, but I don't think they've heard the real stories yeah. and, and that sort of thing, so I'd like to do something. Look, I did like them, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I enjoyed my time with Ipswich. Hey guys, it's producer Ross here, it's Roscoe, and welcome back to another edition of Ross Meets, and here we are, the season finale of Series 1. It's a wrap, it's done and dusted for the first season of Ross Meets, and wow, I want to say a big thank you to everybody who has listened to the previous episodes, it's been a pleasure to bring you these, hope you've enjoyed them, and it's been a blast, Series 1, all the guests I've had on, it's been a pleasure, it's been great. And I've got to say thank you, of course, to all my guests, because if I, if they're not there, I wouldn't even have a series. So a big thank you to all my guests. I've had so many different guests to talk about their careers, from the ups to the downs and everything in between. You knew I was going to add my intro. I just love my intro. It's I cannot get tired of it. I'm pro, I, can, I can imagine you guys are tired of it, but it is it. You know, it's Ross Meets in it. From the ups to the downs, everything in between. But anyway, I'm rambling as I always do. But yes, big thank you to all my guests. They've been a, it's been a blast to speak to them, talking about their careers um, from the, the beginning with Adam Tanner, the first episode, to the Irish tour with George O'Callaghan, Shane O'Connor, Shane Supple, Owen Garvin, Rona Murray, the Irish posse, basically. I think that's, we probably won't call them that, but the Irish guys. Um, of course, also speaking to the likes of Titus Bramble, Fabian Wilness, Neil Thompson. Of course, Sergi Belcher. I was so happy Ross Meats had a Sergi Belcher episode. So I've got our Thatcher, of course. But um, it's been a pleasure to bring you these guys. Series one, it's a wrap, it's done. But do not worry. Season two will be coming to you. So stay tuned for that. When I'm back from my furlough, there'll be a series two. Many more great guests coming your way. So look forward to that. But anyway, I'm uh, rambling along as I normally do. Let's get into today's episode, the final episode of series one. And what a way to end Series 1 of Ross Meets. Let's introduce today's guest. An absolute pleasure to be joined by former town forward, Michael Chopra. And what a great chat this was indeed. A very open and honest chat with Michael about his tight Porton Road and his career as a whole. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. I'm not going to ramble anymore. I'm going to let Michael do the talking. Let's get right into it. I'll see you all in Series 2. Take it away. Let's go. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this and chatting with me. You know, no, no problem. I've been wanting to do it for a while just to talk about your, your career and stuff like that. So, Yeah, I've, do you know what? I've been wanting to do it for a long time. Yeah. I was just trying to do it with the right person, obviously, about talking about what happened at Ipswich. Yeah. Because I think the fans, look, they probably hate me, do you know what I mean, mm. for what happened and, and that sort of thing. But I don't think they've heard the real stories yeah. and... And that sort of thing. So I'd like to do something Definitely. so that they know. Look, I did like them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I enjoyed my time at Ipswich. It's a, it was a brilliant club and everything. So yeah. it'll be it'll be good to, to talk about that as well. Do you know what I mean with Ipswich and that sort of thing? So we'll yeah we'll far we'll far away yeah. and we we'll start. Okay. So how I normally start with these podcast interviews is sort of ask my guests where they sort of found the love of football. Where where did it all start for you? Well, it all started uh, up in the northeast Newcastle. Um, I was just a, a little boy that was kicking a ball around in the street, um, and then eventually people telling me that I, 
that I was good enough to, to play for Newcastle um, at junior level. I think I was about eight or nine at the time and I got asked by John Carver, who used to be uh, assistant manager and manager of, of Newcastle. Uh, he asked me if I wanted to to come and join the School of Excellence. It was back in them days, 1993, I think I was. Wow, yeah. Um, and being a, being a boy growing up supporting your boyhood club, it, it was a dream come true. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was me gone from kicking the ball around in the streets to uh, pulling on the, the training kit of Newcastle United, going training, I think it was twice a week, um, a Tuesday and Thursday night at one of the training grounds in, in Newcastle, which which was special to me. Yeah. I know it's a long time ago, no offence, but uh, um, you know, can you remember who was in sort of your age group who kicked on as well or who went on to have a good career somewhere else maybe? Yeah, Obviously, um, Peter Ramage was one player. Yeah. He played for Crystal Palace, played for QPR. He's now assistant manager of uh, Phoenix Rise in, in America. Yeah. Uh, there was another young player, uh, Andy Farrell, who yeah. uh, signed for Watford, played in the FA Cup a couple of games, um, then dropped down the divisions. Um, Trying to think who else was in the age group um, that made it in the first team. I don't think there was anyone else. Yeah. Obviously, he had a, a lot of players in the year above and a couple of players in the in the younger age. But we had probably three or four players that come through the ranks in my age group that that made it. It's very that's very rare. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, From the age of nine, ten to to go all the way through the academy set up and then and then play for the. I think it was me and Peter Ramage that eventually played for the first team from my age group which which was special do you know what I mean yeah, definitely. and you know the the man who you know gave you that chance is Bobby Robson a legend of course yeah. at Ipswich Town you know you know there's so many different words you know but you know what was your dealings with Bobby you know what a legend and what a manager well you don't really need to say much about him do yeah. you know what I mean everyone knows how special he was um, I was privileged that I he was my manager and I was a player coming through the academy at such a young age and I remember always going into his office and discussing with him and how to improve my game obviously he kept talking about um, the Brazilian Ronaldo when he was at Barcelona um, how he was that young age how hungry he was for football the desire the fire in his belly he used to always say to me you've got fire in your belly son um, but no he, he was brilliant he was a breath of fresh air for Newcastle and he was brilliant for me as well. He, he gave me my debut and I kind of thank... You look at all the managers in the world and people talk about Alex Ferguson and your Marinos and, and them people, but I personally think that a lot of players have a, more respect for Sir Bobby, what he did in the game, than any other manager in the world. And look, it was an honour for me that he gave me my debut and um, I was privileged that he coached me and he pretty much made me helped me become the player I was. Yeah. And, you know, talking about your debut, unfortunately it's not the, the greatest of debuts ever, you know, <laughs> missing a penalty kick and, but, you know, 19 years old and stepping up into that penalty, that, you know, must have, you know, give, you've got big balls to do that. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, yeah. in training, it, it was weird because in training I was I was scoring all the time <laughs> when we were practising penalties leading up to, to the game against Everton and, I don't know, for some strange reason I've, just decided, oh, do you know what? I'm going to be uh, a fancy Dan and I'm going to try and smash this in the top corner. Obviously, there was a big thing about me and Wayne Rooney leading up to the game. We were two bright 
young prospects of England growing up and we're going to be facing each other for the very first time and I thought I would try and outdo him and stick one in the top corner and be a hero and everyone oh, oh what a player Michael Chopper is but uh, it went over the ball and I think that kind of put a little hold on my career I honestly think it did I think a lot of people lost a bit of trust in me and it definitely affected my confidence because going into any games before that game I I was full of confidence I had the world at my feet I believed I was the best player since sliced bread and that really took a lot of stuffing out of me because look it hurt me I, I, I wanted to score for my hometown club and it didn't it didn't happen I was devastated and I remember Alan Shearer coming up to me after the game when I was in the showers and I was crying my eyes out in the showers I was devastated I was only 18 at the time and he, he came up to me and said listen Chops he says don't worry about it he says uh, at least you had the the, the balls to go, go up and take it you've got players uh, that had signed for the club for 8-9 million that didn't want to do it so uh, don't worry about it and then he was like Try and miss one against Sunderland. Yeah, then you'll yeah. then you'll see what missing the penalty is yeah, like. Definitely. And it may it may put a big smile on my face. Yeah. Alan didn't have to come and do that. Do you know what I mean? Coming up to an eighteen year old in the shower and putting his arm around me, sort of thing. But it was good. Do you know what I mean? It was, they were the type of people that I, that I had around me growing up as a kid. Yeah, definitely. And you know, you went on to your your second appearance. I know it was only a late substitute appearance, but it was at Barcelona, New Camp. You know, what an, what an experience for you as a young lad to. Yeah, it was a great experience. Uh, People like Patrick Cliver playing for Barcelona and I watched him on the tally and playing for Holland in the World Cups and that sort of thing. And to be on the same pitch as him was was a dream. And not only that, people go to Barcelona for stadium tours and things like that. And he has a a young Michael Chopper actually standing on the pitch in front of all these fans. looking down on me and I'm here at the Barcelona Stadium the new camp and learning my trade you know what I mean it was a special moment nobody can take that away from me it was my my first uh, my first appearance in the, in, the, in the Champions League and look it was that was a dream come true as well do you know what I mean yeah you know you made you made another Champions League appearance against Bar Leverkusen and then you went out on loan to Watford and you know that must for you. Did you just knew you had to go out on loan just to get some game time? You weren't playing in the league and stuff like that. Yeah, I was. I was a young boy, and once once you've had a little bit of a taste of playing in the first team, you want more. <laughs> and I was hungry for more. And I spoke to to the manager Bobby at the time, and I said, "Look, I want to I want to play some games. I want to I want to show people what I can do." And he said, "I'm only going to let you go out on loan for one month. I need you back." Um, and in that month, I think Watford were playing in the FA Cup semi-final against Southampton. And I said to them, I said to them, Gaffer, look, if I do well, um, what about the FA Cup final? If we beat Southampton, would you would you let me stay for another month and, and play in the FA Cup final? And Bobby was brilliant. He said, look, Michael, he said, go and, go and do what you want. Go and score your goals. Go and speak to me after the after the Southampton game when 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 if you beat them. Yeah. Uh, but no, I done well for Watford. Uh, I think I scored five goals in five games, or five and six it was. 
or six and five, what something like that. Yeah. But we 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 got beat off Southampton two one. So I didn't have, have that conversation with Bobby yeah. uh, about me about me staying on on loan for another month for Watford. But look, I was doing my trade. Do you know what I mean? I, I scored four goals in one game yeah. against Burnley, which yeah. was a madness game. Yeah. We won seven four. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that that took took people started to take notice of me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, obviously missed the penalty against. Everything for Newcastle on my debut, but I've also shown what I can do in in the Championship. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, in terms of you know players, you know at the club, you know, you know, Richard Town have got a big link with Newcastle with Bobby, and then you've got other players like Kieran Dyer, Titus Bramble, uh, Darren Ambrose, and stuff like that. Do you know? Did you get along with them because they were young as well? Yeah, no, no, yeah, I got I got along with them all. Yeah. Uh, obviously, with especially with Ambrose because he was, he was more my age, yeah. but. Um, along with, with, with Kieran as well, I remember Kieran always coming to my apartment in Newcastle. Mm. And there was a, a TV show uh, that was out called Twenty Four um, and, and Lost. Yeah. And I I used to get all the downloads from from America a day before they used to come out in the UK. Yeah. And yeah. he used to always come round and tell me, "Chops, can you burn me a disc and all that? I want to watch." <laughs> I want to watch Twenty Four, and I want to watch Lost, and, and that sort of thing. So, I, I was I was putting all these programs onto discs for for Kieran and Titus. Do you know what I mean? And I was just I was just a young boy growing up, but look, I, I loved it. Do you know what I mean? I was around these these superstar players. Kieran had just come to the club, and he was a he was a brilliant player. Uh, obviously, like you said, he learned his trade at Ipswich, and we we took a lot of players from Ipswich. Yeah, but no, I got on. I got on really well with with all three of them when they uh, when they came to the club. Yeah. You know, it's a bit of a stupid question here, but I would say you know Alan Shearer is probably a, you know a player that you looked up to. You know, a player who's you know playing in your position as well. You know, how good was Alan to be with? Alan was brilliant with me. Um, I think it helped as well that I had the same agent um, oh, when I was in Newcastle and he was yeah. in Newcastle. Um, so I think that kind of helped because whatever I was doing off the pitch, my agent would always tell Alan to try and keep my feet on the ground and to try and help me along. Do you know what I mean? And he, he was always there for me whenever I needed him. If I needed to ask him any question about football, he, he would answer it straight away. He was brilliant. I've, you, people say he's boring and stuff like that on match of the day, but I see a totally different Alan Shearer because I've been in the training pitch, I've been in the, in the dressing room with him and he's nothing but both fun and he has a laugh um, and I'm thankful for the advice and being on the training ground having shooting competitions with him and stuff like that he's, he's helped me along the way as well yeah and uh, then you know Bobby then left and then Graham Sooners came in you didn't really play much with Graham um, I think you went out on loan you know at Barnsley but uh, you know what it was like you know Graham he's known for his character and he's you know a great player as well but you know did you get along with him? No, I didn't really get yeah. along with him. Uh, as a player, he was a, he was a brilliant player. What he yeah. achieved for Liverpool and Rangers, he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. As a manager, I didn't really didn't really see eye to eye to him. Yeah. Um, Newcastle at one point had a lot of uh, an injury crisis to the forward line, mm-hmm. and then they started to play. I think it was Kieran. They started to play Kieran up front, yeah. and nice. I was in the reserve team at, at this stage, and I, I said to. The manager soon as I says, "Listen, we've just—I think it was Villa. We just played on a, on a Monday night, and I just said, look, 'Look, I've just got a hatch against Villa. Any is there any chance of you looking at me in, in the first team and giving me an opportunity?'" And he just basically said, he just looked at me and said, 
reserve team football doesn't count. No, no. And I just looked at him and I said, what do you mean it doesn't count? I'm a young kid coming through. I've got to learn my trade somewhere. I've got to play games to show you what I can do. And he just, just said reserve team football doesn't count. So I, from then on, I was just like, well, forget him. Do you know what I mean? It's pointless even even giving him my time and, and that sort of thing. And I was just pleased to see, see the back of him when he, when he left my football club. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, then Glenn Rhoda came in and he gave you a few more chances and, you know, you scored only one goal for Newcastle in the Premier League, but it's um, a sort of record in some sort of way, you know, against Sunderland as well. Um, <laughs> 15 seconds, I think it is, after coming off as a, coming on as a sub, yeah. so crazy. Yeah, so Glenn took over and obviously Glenn had been in and around the football club. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows the, a lot of people in the football club and he knew what the young, young players could do. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, he, he brought me off the bench um, against Sunderland at the Stadium of Light when we were 1-0 down. We weren't playing well at all. Uh, Sunderland had been relegated, I think it was. Um, and I remember being in the change room, all the lads had gone out and he came come up to me and said, listen, be ready because if things are going the same way in the next 10, 15 minutes, you're going to be coming on. And I remember he said to me, are you ready? And I was, of course I'm ready. I'm a, I'm a Geordie sort of thing, do you know what I mean? I'm ready for these games. These are the games that you want to play in growing up as a kid, Newcastle Sunderland. Um, but I didn't once think that as soon as I'm running on the pitch, Titus is going to play the ball in the box. I'm going to get on the end of it. Yeah. I think it was 13 seconds, I think I was. Okay. But from then on, uh, Alan, Alan scored a penalty two minutes later and we went on to win the game 4-1. So he's brought me off the bench to do a job. I've scored and the game's changed and we went 4-1. So he's happy, do you know what I mean? I'm happy. Newcastle fans are happy. You've beat your, your local rivals 4-1 and everybody's happy and, and that sort of thing and then uh, later a couple of games after that he's, get, he's given me a chance in the first team yeah. I think I played Wigan uh, the game or, or a couple of games afterwards uh, and I managed to win a penalty for Allen and, and then set, a, set another goal for Allen I think we won 2-0 two, two at the time mm-hmm. Um then we play against Birmingham and I'm, I'm starting ahead of Michael Owen. So Glenn Rhoda had a, a bit of belief in me, do you know what I mean? I was doing my job for the team and he was happy. Um, but that, that, that was a manager that had, a, had faith in me and, and I was honoured and, and privileged that he, he gave me the opportunity as well. Definitely. And, you know, that summer you then went to Cardiff. Did sort of Glenn sort of tell you that, you know, you weren't going to be playing much, so maybe it's best to move on to well, progressional career? It, it wasn't. It wasn't really Glenn. It was mainly myself. Yeah. Um, I knew Alan Shearer was going to retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Michael Owen at the club, who they, they just signed the, the summer before. Yeah. So you know, Newcastle's number nine is going to be leaving the club, mm-hmm. and they've got to sign a big name striker. So that put me further down the pecking order. Um, so I just thought, I'm a 21 year old. Um, I need to leave the club and. And learn my trade somewhere else. Um, I'll take um, one one step back and take two forwards. Mm-hmm. So it, it was one of those things. Uh, so I dropped down to the championship and, and basically showed that I was I was good enough for the championship and hopefully get a move back to the Premier League. That was my aim. Um, and thankfully for me, everything turned out to to be how I planned. Yeah. Yeah, and you know Dave Jones is the man that brought you to Cardiff. You know what was Dave like? You know you had him twice because he returned to Cardiff after leaving, then to go to Sunderland. But what was he like? He was he was brilliant with yeah. me. Um, he knew what 
basically knew what I needed. Um, he knew that if he puts his all around me, looks after me, then he'll get 100% on the pitch. And the man management from the guy was fantastic. Um, and um, it wasn't just then, but I go back to the, the second time we went to Cardiff and we had me and Jay Boothroyd in the team. Yeah. Um, me and Jay were pretty much the same. We we work hard for the team on a Saturday, but you have to be a bit lenient with us in during the week sort of thing. If, if we want a day off, we'd ask for a day off and the manager would give me it. He would do a deal with us where I could go back to Newcastle if we scored and I won. And yeah. pretty much every week yeah. it was happening, do you know what I mean? It was it was a dream. So I, I'd go straight back to Newcastle on a, on a Saturday night and come back to training on a Tuesday. Yeah. Um, but as long as you were producing the goods on the pitch at the weekend, that's all that matters because that's what managers get paid to do. Yeah. That's what footballers get paid to do. You score goals and produce on a Saturday and then you can basically do whatever you want during the week, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's what kind of led to other things in my in my career further down the path, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I thought I was bigger and better than, than everyone else and and but we'll talk about that later on. Yeah. But yeah, Dave was fantastic. He knew how to get the best out of me. He knew how to get the best out of players. I think that's why he brought a lot of players, uh, even Peter Whitnam, I think he paid like three hundred grand for Wits. Yeah. He could have sold him for five, ten million, he was that good. Um, Roger Johnson brought him for 250 grand from Wickham sold him for 5 million to, to I think it was Birmingham yeah. uh, but he had the knack of, of picking the right players and training them and making them into even better players yeah. and you know you were saying about producing the goods and, and you did that season 22 goals like for you you must have been in cloud nine you know, scored, you know this is your first you can say your first proper season playing as the first choice striker and you proved that you can do it at the championship level. Yeah, it was. Um, and to, to score 22 goals in 42 games was a lot in that championship season. Mm-hmm. I think it was Jamie Curtin beat me by one. Okay. Um, and I remember going into the last couple of games of the season, I always felt that I was going to be the championship top scorer. And then I'd done something stupid against QPR with two or three games to go. Uh managed to have a fight after the final whistle with Lee Camp yeah. and get myself sent off and miss the rest of the season. I was devastated. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, but you learn from your mistakes and you get on with it and it's life, do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, from that season, you know, you were in the, you know, player, play, you know, you were in the team of the year and stuff like that. Did you feel that was going to make your move to the Premier League? You know, did you knew from there, you think, let's go on to the top flight and did you have a lot of offers? Straight away? Yeah, I had a lot of offers. Yeah. Um, but that's when you're looking... If, if a striker's doing well in the championship, yeah. then the teams that are probably finishing bottom half Premier League, the teams that are getting promoted from the, champions, uh, the championship, mm-hmm. are looking at strikers who are young and can score goals. And I think that's what Roy Keane did. Yeah. Obviously, we had played against them uh, a couple of times in the in the in the championship that season, uh, done well against Sunderland, and he phoned me up when I was in Portugal and um, basically said, "Look, I know you're a big Newcastle fan, and you're this and that, and but I want you to to come and join Sunderland and help my team in the Premier League, stay in the Premier League. Obviously, we're going to be bringing a lot of players in, but you're a goal scorer, 
And if we get you in the right positions in the box, then I believe you can you can score goals for Sunderland in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, so I had to go away from uh, everything and speak to my family about playing for Sunderland and what it what it would mean uh, a jury playing for your local rivals. And they basically said, "Look, you got to do what's right for your career." And I told them that I've got other other offers on the table, um, but. I wanted to really be back home in the northeast. I wanted to. I'm a Newcastle lad. I wanted to be back, back up there. Do you know, and I want to be with my mates and see my family after every game and sit with them and watch match of the day together when when you played on the TV. Um, so yeah, just put put aside who I support and the game the season before Newcastle Sunderland, and I just said I thought I, I spoke to Roy again. I said, look, I want to I want to play for you. I don't just want to play for Sunderland. I want to play for Roy Keane. That was one of my main main desires. He's worked with Sir Alex Ferguson. Why is it Roy Keane won so much in the game? Because he achieved it through through Sir Alex and and Brian Clough. So I wanted to go and work under Roy and see why he's special and give him to coach me sort of thing and help me with my game. And he, he was brilliant, you know what I mean? I had my um, personal problems off the pitch. And he was the first person that I told about them. Yeah. And I couldn't thank Roy, Roy enough, and, and he knows that. Um, he, he was brilliant. Where he would take me in the office after training and, and sit with me, asking how I am, and have a cup of green tea with him. And, and that's what he didn't have to do that. He could have just said, I'm the manager of the team, you're playing, you're not playing. But he, he, he had a different side to him. I seen a totally different side to him. And, I I got a lot of respect for Roy Keane for for what he what he did to me at the time because I was I was going the wrong way in, in football terms and and that sort of thing and he managed to to kind of put me back on track. Yeah, you know you hear you know different sides the stories about Roy from different players even fans but you know he sounds like he you know helped you a lot and that must be good for a player you know having at least a manager on your side and stuff like that and, you know he spent. I think it was five million. You know, you signed. Yeah, five million. I was from, yeah. from Cardiff. Yeah. Um, look, he, he didn't have to put his arm around me and, and stuff like that. But I think because when I was playing, uh, I was scoring goals for him. And when I was scoring, we were actually winning games. Yeah. I think I scored six goals that season in the Premier League. And the goals I did score, I managed to. Well, the team we picked up thirteen points. I think I was. Um, so them six goals they've added up to 13 points the 5 million they paid it's after money well spent you know what I mean and he took to me he knew but he, he, he could see it was it was weird because I'd be sitting on the bench even again we played Aston Villa away mm-hmm. I'd be sitting on the bench and he'd just turn and look at me and he, he just said look you're going to score you're going to score for me today mm-hmm. and it was nil nil at the time I come on and, and scored the winner and I, it just done, he'd done it probably three or four times Fulham away as well when we won 3-2 he said to me then you're going to score today you're going to get the winner and managed to do it it was just weird how he had this psychic power in his head that he looked at me and (laughs) managed to put some magic on me that I would score it was was weird but look he was brilliant you know what I mean I really enjoyed working with Roy Keane some people and I've been in the change room when he's had his arguments with with other players that's because the standards were so high he set his standards so so high because of how he, how he was at Man United 
Mm-hmm. And obviously, I played in the Premier League with Newcastle, and Newcastle standards were so high. We were, we had the England captain at the time, Alan Shearer. Yeah. So we, obviously, the standards are going to be high. Um, but when players aren't used to them standards and step out of line, they feel the force. And it's right; it should happen. Do you know what I mean? You've got a manager that wants to wants to do well at the football club. You know, at the time, you know, you, of course, you're a Newcastle fan, Newcastle lad, so I think, you know, fans will straight away be on your back. But, you know, you, you scored on your debut uh, against Tottenham, so that must have straight away, you know, proved that, you know, you're going to do something for this club. Yeah, I had to, I had to prove to the fans, yeah. do you know what I mean? If I didn't score uh, against Tottenham, and then I was going two games, three games, four games without a goal, them fans would. I, I know for a fact. I know what the north the northeast fans are like. They'll turn on you, yeah. and especially being a, a Newcastle fan, they would have turned on me on me heavy, and it wouldn't have been nice. Um, but thankfully for me, I came off the bench against Tottenham, scored the winner, and then the next game, um, a couple of days later, we played Birmingham away, and I score again, and we I think we drew two two that game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the fans took to me straight away. They knew that putting everything aside that I'm going to be um, a, a footballer for Sunderland Football Club and forget about my roots <clears throat> yeah definitely and you know that you know for you that must have been great for you to be playing I think you made 33 appearances that season in the Premier League so you must have felt you know this age you're now making a good amount of appearances in the Premier League and you're hopefully going to step on and do really well but then you went back to Cardiff on loan did you just is it because you just get frustrated not playing much and stuff like that well, Roy, Roy left the club, yeah. um, and Ricky Sabreja, who was already at the club, he took over, mm-hmm. and we brought a lot of big players in the club in the summer, um, El Hajjouf, Jibril Cisse. Um so I was, drunk. I was dropping down, even though I kept Sunderland in the Premier League the first season, they mm-hmm. were trying to go one better, and then were bringing these big name players in, and to me, they didn't fit Sunderland's philosophy. Yeah. Uh, um, but that's the way some managers want to go. You, you have to bring big, big players in to try and go that next step further, and it didn't didn't really work. Uh, Roy Roy left the club on terms that only well, only he'll know. He didn't get sacked. He think he fell out with Niall Quinn. <clears throat> um, so yeah, and then Ricky took over, and I, I was I wasn't enjoying my football under Ricky. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I I was always in contact with Dave Jones and. I said to him, look, Gaffer, I might be available for loan, so make an inquiry to see to see what they say. And Sunderland were adamant that I wasn't allowed to go on loan, so I think I was transferred deadline day. Uh, there was like 50, a minute left of the, the window, and I, I stayed at the training ground. I, I was desperate to go on loan back to Cardiff. And I stayed at the, we finished training, I stayed at the training ground for three hours trying to, trying to force the, the loan move through, and Thankfully for me, I managed to push it through over the line within a few seconds to go, yeah. and there I was back at back at Cardiff for another stint. Yeah, I want to. I just want to quickly bring up, you know, the transfer deadline day. You know, you said that you experienced that. Is that such of a a frustrating and you know situation to be in when you know you want to be moving to this club? A, a little bit, yeah, because you you know yourself, you don't want yeah. to be in a football club. You want you want to move on, and um, I think. I think the two clubs were haggling over a transfer fee, a future fee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cardiff wanted to take me on loan. They didn't want to pay the the four million transfer fee at the end of the season. 
uh, to sign me on permanent, and, and Sunderland would only let me go out on loan if if Cardiff agreed to that. Um, so yeah, it, it was mainly down to that. So I phoned Dave Jones. I was like, Gaffer, just just sort it. You know what I mean? Just get me out of here and, and get me down to Cardiff. And I basically said to him, Look, I'll, I'll I'll produce. I won't disappoint you. And he, he took my word for it. And I think that season. Uh, I went back to Cardiff. I think that's the season we got to the to the playoff final against Blackpool, where I scored 21 goals. I think I was. Yeah, did yeah, and you know one of those games was including a four goals against Derby as well. So another game for you scoring four goals. You know you'll love scoring hat tricks, but uh, add another one to that. Brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, I remember um, when when Shearer was uh, playing for Newcastle, yeah. and he scored five goals in one game. Um, and I was coming through as a kid and I remember saying to me uh, about him scoring five goals and what it, what it means and, and that sort of thing. And I was desperate to score the fifth goal against Derby and, and, and send Alan a message saying I've managed to, to match your feet and, and, and score five in one game. But it wasn't to be and I had a, a laugh and a joke with him about it. But look, that's, that's football, do you know what I mean? At the end of the day, you've scored four goals in one game, you've won 6-1. And you you move on and you 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 you're flying. Everything you're touching is is going on the back of the net, and it was it was great. It was great times. Yeah, and you know you mentioned you scored 21 goals. One of those against Blackpool in the in the playoff semis, and then you also scored at Wembley. Unfortunately, on the losing side, you know it must have been great to score at Wembley, but to be on the losing side, it makes it sort of. Yeah, yeah. I scored. I think I scored pretty much in the first fifteen minutes against Blackpool in the final, mm. and um, it, it was look. I was devastated. Um, we were flying in the league, missed out by automatic promotion by I think it was one point. Mm. It might have been. I think it's when Norwich got promoted automatically. I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, if you had said, if you had picked all the teams in the playoffs. Which team would you like to play in the final? I think everyone would have picked Blackpool because I don't know they, they they didn't have a lot of money to spend. But one thing about them, they had a good, they had desire and they had a lot of workhorses in their team, and you, and you could see that. And then when they needed to produce a bit of magic, they had Charlie Adam who who would do that. Um, and you you seen that with a goal he scored the free kick. In the final, I honestly thought when we went one 0 up, that would be it. We'd go on and, and cruise it. They pulled a goal back, and then we we went two one up with Joe Ledley, um, and then we went three three two down going into the break. And me personally, I think some of our big name players didn't really turn up on the day. Um, I think some of them were starstruck, and it was disappointing because your dreams are have been squashed. You know what I mean? All that hard work you've put in for for nine, ten months of the season have, have been dashed, and you can't really do anything about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and you know that you know the following season, you know you guys got in the playoffs again, but this time <coughs> lost in the semi-finals. So that must have been heartbreaking again to lose. And... Yeah, it was heartbroken. Yeah. Uh, we got to be three 0 I think, on aggregate off Red. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was devastating because you always with the team we had that year you obviously thought that we were going to do it we had Craig Bellamy on loan from Man City uh, at some point we had Aaron Ramsey that was on loan from, from Arsenal uh, we, we, our team what we had was was unbelievable when you, when you go through the, the team sheet uh, but yeah it wasn't to be 
And um, that was, I think, that was time for for me to move on after that season. Yeah, definitely. And you know, were you were you happy that day? You got promoted to I think two years later. You know, and being you know playing in the Premier League for the first time. Do you... Yeah, well, look, they they deserved it. You know what I mean. Yeah. The Cardiff City fans are a fantastic set of fans. Um, they work all week to to go to football matches the weekend. Um, to their bread and butter over a week. Do you know what I mean? And it was brilliant to see them get promoted because they deserve it. The fans. Do you know what I mean? It was it was great when you you you're watching them on live TV when the they're playing against Man City and Man United, do you know what I mean? I know it was disappointing that I couldn't do it with them, but it was great to actually, their fans actually seeing Premier League football at the Cardiff City Stadium. Yeah, definitely, and you know, then the move to Ipswich Town came. Um, I, I read that you could have signed for us under Roy Keane before you joined under Paul Jewell. I don't know if that's right or not. Yeah, it was uh, the, the year after the playoff final mm-hmm. against uh, Blackpool. Uh, Roy, I think, Put a bid in for me for about four million, four point five million, and Carter turned it down. Oh, wow. um, and look, I, I was a, I was a player that was in demand that season. But I always felt that I need to stay at Cardiff um, and, and try and get them promoted. And I, when I spoke to Dave about the plans and the players we wanted to bring in, he kind of persuaded me to, to stay at the football club, um, and I had to. To basically tell tell Cardiff to try and knock back any offers what come in for me because I I want to stay at uh, Cardiff City. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, you know, at a time you know you would probably want to, you know, if a Premier League team came in, you may have had a bit maybe a different feeling on that maybe. Well, yeah, there was talk about halfway through the season there was talk about me uh, signing for Newcastle because they won the championship at the at the same time. Yeah. Um, obviously, I was scoring a lot of goals uh, early on in the season leading up until January um, but I didn't think Newcastle were willing to pay the money that Cardiff were after so that kind of put a stop to that um, but then things happen and um, I'm, on, I'm on the move again Definitely and you know Paul Jewell was the man who brought you in he didn't have a very successful spell here but you know what was he like you know can you remember your first meeting with him and your first you know, exploring yeah. Portman Road in the training ground. Yeah, I, I, I remember a lot about it. I, I was really close with Mark Kennedy, even mm. when he was at Cardiff. Yeah. And I had a meeting with the manager and um, the owners at Cardiff, and I basically, the, basically I, I said to them, look, I'm, I'm not very happy at Cardiff. I want to I wanna leave. Craig Bellamy was at the club, and I wasn't really enjoying being around him. Yeah. Um, so I spoke to Mark Kennedy, oh, right, a couple of people up here who I was close to in, in other clubs. Said, oh, I spoke to Sparky and I said, Sparky, can you uh, can you speak to Paul Jewell and, and see if you would be interested in, in taking me? Uh, Sparky phoned me back up and said, what? the gaffers asked me what, what the situation is. I said, well, I'll push whatever I can through, but I think you could maybe get me for about a million. Mm-hmm. And Sparky kind of laughed and said, no chance, the club will let you go for that. I yeah. said, look, I'll try and force it through if I know if Switch are interested. And he come back to me and said, if Switch are interested, so I kind of pushed the move through. And it was it was, it was brilliant. Um, Paul Jewell was a proper football man. Uh, he's a guy from Liverpool and Dave Jones is from Liverpool. And they were proper football people. Um so yeah, I knew what I needed to do under Paul Jewell to, to win him over and 
I knew what I needed to do at Ipswich. Um, and I believe that, I honestly believe we, we had a great chance of getting promoted that year. We, the team we had was was really good. And I remember after the Bristol City game, I remember saying to Grant Ledbetter, um, who I knew really well from Sunderland, I said, Granny, we've got a we've got a great team. I says if we continue to play what we've been doing in training, what we've uh, what we've just produced there, I says we we could go a long way. Yeah. Uh, but we, we we fizzled out towards the end of the season. We started off well and and fizzled out. And look, we had we had good players on the team, football football players. Do you know what I mean? Football men that wanted to play football. Definitely, and you know, you mentioned a few players there. You know, Grant better You know, who helped you sort of settle in? You know, we had a lot of big characters there. You know, Jimmy Bollard, of course, one of them. Uh, Jason Scotland, Jay Emmanuel yeah. Thomas. You know, so who sort of helped you settle in? Lee Martin as well. well. Yeah, we had we had Daryl Murphy who I knew from yeah. Sunderland, Carlos Edwards who we knew from Sunderland. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of lads. You know what I mean? What what I liked about Ipswich, and a lot of fans probably don't know this. Mm-hmm. I I really enjoyed my time at Ipswich. Yeah. I really enjoyed. My, time playing at Portman Road mm-hmm. um, and I got a lot of stick because of what happened off the pitch and look Ipswich Town is a proper family club um, whatever players come down there they make their family feel wanted not mm-hmm. just the players their family and I've never been to a club like that before and I've, I've got a lot of respect for the people of Ipswich even though I had my, my says and, and stuff like that on Twitter against them and all that but at the end of the day I was I was naive I was young and I was arguing back with fans and I shouldn't have done I should have been more mature about it Um, but yeah deep down in my heart I still look out for the results I still speak to to Luke Chambers there do you know what I mean every club I play for is close to my heart and out of all the clubs Ipswich are the probably club that helped me the most and to be where I am now um, in life is probably down to them as well because they didn't have to do what they, they did and I, I thank Simon Clegg Marcus Evans Paul Jewell Andy Little the fitness coach and also uh, Steve Williams who was the Olympic rower at the time who who kind of took me under under his wing uh, but no I, I, I love my time there and um, the fans probably don't understand what went on and, and stuff like that but I was probably at my worst um, in life when I was playing for Ipswich, but it wouldn't affect me going on the pitch. Yeah. I think that first season, I scored 14 goals, Good. and we, we struggled a bit. And for a player that was struggling heavily off the pitch to then score 14 goals, and I think I was the first striker to do that in so many years, yeah, did, yeah. to hit double figures. Um Look, it was good. I enjoyed it, and um, I, I, I look. I, w- I was honoured and privileged to play for a football club like Ipswich because they've got great history. Not only that, the guy I look up to, Bobby Robson, was was the manager of the football club in Ipswich. He won won trophies there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, people probably think I don't like Ipswich, but far from that. I I enjoyed my time there. I like the fans. Still speak to some fans every now and again on Twitter. But look, at the end of the day, they they pay the money. They've got a right to criticise me. It's just I was stupid and naive to, to answer back to them when I, when I shouldn't have done it. I look back and, and wish it didn't happen. And this was probably the first time that I could have 
officially apologised for, for my actions towards the fans and then that sort of thing. Fair play, yeah. You know, I think a lot of people, they just love honesty from people and, you know, at a time, you know, you know, this was a, you know, your problem you had, I think, from a young age, when, you know, being addicted and stuff for gambling, but, you know, for you, having that help from the club and did players, you know, help you as well? Did they sort of know what's yeah, going on? Yeah, look, they, 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 the, the players were brilliant, you know what I mean? Yeah. I know that the club and Simon and Paul Drew pulled the players together and then, then tried to rally them behind me and, and, and help me because, look, I was going through a bad time, do you know what I mean? It, it was one of them times where I didn't feel good about myself and I'm not afraid to admit, admit it, but I, I could have... I could have done some serious damage to myself and without the help of some people at the football club and like I said before I'm grateful for, for them where I am today um, and a lot, a lot of the fans do you know what I mean they, they, they got behind me and I, at the end of the day I tried to do my best for the football club but I thought I was look I, I, I was getting caught speeding I was I thought I was better than everybody else do you know what I mean it was just one of those things that was going through me and I was stupid and naive, and like I said, I apologise that it, it happened to, to the Ipswich Town fans because they, they probably didn't deserve it, and especially the football club, the amount of the support they give me. Yeah, definitely, and you know, to be fair, you know, you got off to a great start, you know, scoring twice on your debut, so that must have been a, a great thing for you to straight away get off the mark and scoring twice, first game of the season. Well, yeah, obviously, you, you the strings you come to a new club, you want to... You want to get up, get off on a high, and I done that at Sunderland. I done it at Cardiff when I went to Cardiff the first season uh, when we played Scunthorpe, the first game of the season at Cardiff City Stadium, and then I done it again at Ipswich. And look, I had some great memories at Ipswich. I remember the game at Portman Road when we beat West Ham five-one. Yeah. It was the brilliant times. Do you know what I mean? Look, I'm just as much hurt and sad at what's happened to the football club now because they don't deserve to be in in the situation they are now do you know what I mean they, they deserve to be back where they belong and hopefully um, they, they can climb up the, the leagues and, and get to where they belong because the fans don't deserve that do you know what I mean yeah definitely and you know you know with everything going on with yourself you know you, you, you said about when you go on the pitch you sort of forgot about it all and you were just there to hopefully put 110% into your, your game and you know it's 14 goals is, as you said it was a you know, good good season for well, you yeah, in that, terms, that, yeah. that, that's what every manager and whenever I've done these podcasts people people don't understand how I can do that with all my off the field problems how, how can I mentally focus on the job that needs to be done mm-hmm. um and look, it's just, I loved football. I loved playing football. It was natural to me. And whatever was going on off the pitch, I would not let that affect me going over the white line. Because look, at the end of the day, I'm, I'd be letting my teammates down. I'd be letting the football club down. And I didn't really want to be seen as a failure for doing that. There's no problem me somebody having faith in me, um, paying a million pounds for me. Mm-hmm. And for me to, to throw it back in the face like that. So, yeah, to score 14 goals with everything that was going on in the background, uh, it, it was a, a great achievement for me. Yeah. Um, I just wish I was given more opportunity of, of doing that in the, in the second season because I came back. I remember going to California with with uh, Andy, Andy Little to a, to a fitness camp there. Um I remember Paul Jewell saying to 
to Marcus Evans and Tyron Clegg, look, if we get a fit chops in the team, then we've got a good chance of getting promoted because they, they believe that I can score goals. Um, so Ipswich, <laughs> it was funny because Andy Little phoned me and says, uh, where are you? I was like, I'm in Newcastle. Well, well we're go- we're, he, he was like, you're going to a fitness camp in a couple of days, so get your bags packed. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean? He says, well, I've got to go with you. You've killed my holiday. I was like, what do you mean I've killed your holiday? Yeah. He says, uh, Marcus Evans just has shown me I've got to go to California with you to keep an eye on you to get fit. Yeah. I was like, well, you don't have to come with me. He was like, no, nah, no, nah, I've been told I've got to come with you. Yeah. So the club sent me to California to get fit. Do you know what? It was, it was fantastic. It was a great experience. And I think a lot of people at Ipswich and a lot of fans uh, didn't realise that I actually got fined uh, towards the end of the season and the f- my fine money actually paid for the trip to to go to California okay. so it wasn't the yeah. club paying the money like a lot of fans think mm-hmm. um, there's, a, there's another story with the, the 250k loan Ipswich give me yeah. a lot of fans think that I never paid that back mm-hmm. but they were taking money out of my wages okay. every month to, to repay it mm-hmm. And then when I did leave the club, uh, they made sure that the 250000 had been paid back to them. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to get my point across that whatever I got from the club always went back to the club. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, when we went to California, it was brilliant. I come back to the club, I was absolutely flying. Yeah. The fittest I've ever been. Uh, we had a, an, Simon Clegg was part of the Olympic Committee, uh, bringing the, the Olympics to Great Britain. Mm-hmm. And he brought one of his friends in to, to help keep me on track, yeah. uh, Steve Evan, uh, Steve Williams. Yeah. Um, they were, look, he was brilliant, you know what I mean? I got a lot of time for the guy. Yeah. Uh, what he achieved in sport was phenomenal. He won Olympic gold. Yeah. Um, but I think he probably found me, and I was hard work, you know what I mean? Because what I was doing was, was tough with him. Yeah. Uh, the training was tough and to, to keep me fit and everything. It was it was hard, do you know what I mean? To keep me keep me on the straight and narrow. But yeah, I've, I've got a lot of time for for the people at Ripswich and yeah. and the owners and what they've done for me. I mean, you know, you went you went to the um, Sport and Chance Clinic. I think you went there twice. I think I don't know if you went a few more times, but you know how how, how helpful were they as well? You know, I think Town were able to send you there. Yeah, I, I remember, I, I first went there when I was at Sunderland, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, town, town took me there, and it was weird, because I remember we played Cardiff away, I think I was, uh, and I had been in the Sporting Chance Clinic, but they wanted me to come out to the clinic and play <laughs> in the games of the weekend, Okay, okay. so I remember coming out and playing against Cardiff, and I had not been training all week, yeah. uh, I was doing what I needed to do. Uh, uh, turned up in the, in the stadium, played the game, and then went straight back to the clinic. And in the game, I scored, and I, I think we won the game as well. Yeah. And I remember Simon Clegg uh, uh, speaking to me and saying, "Oh, you, you fixed your cue. Look how you played. You scored in this." And I was laughing. I was like, "It's, it's, a, it's a long process. It's not just a, a quick fix thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a thing that's going to take months and years. It's not just like..." A week I've gone in, I'm fixed and cured. And that's what I look. I would laugh with Simon, you know what I mean? It was funny. Uh, but no, like I said, they, they helped me so much and I kind of thank them. Definitely. Enough. Yeah, and it, unfortunately, I've got to bring this up because it's something that people always want to be asking about, you know, about, you know, people 
you know, you said you're going to have a book out as well, so people will know more about the ins and outs of it. But, you know, people turned up at the training ground and stuff like that. You know, that must have been scary for you and to know people coming up wanting money from you. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, obviously, I got myself in some bad situations. Yeah. Uh, and Jimmy Bullard's come out and said about a story, which wasn't true. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a guy coming to the, to the training ground and pretending to ask for an autograph. Yeah. Um, I think he had been asking the player. Some of the players went off the training pitch before me, mm-hmm. and he was asking, "Where's Michael Chopper?" and that sort of thing. Um, I've walked off, and he's pretended to ask for the uh, for an autograph, mm-hmm. and he, he kind of threatened me, sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I went straight into the club and, and spoke to the manager and, and and spoke to the owners and, and that sort of thing. Um, my dad, my dad was really close to Simon Clegg. Mm-hmm. They'd speak on a regular basis, so Simon phoned my dad, told him the situation and, and that sort of thing, and the, the, everything was sorted, yeah. um, pretty much. But yeah, the, the story about me pointing to Aaron Crest while saying that's Chopper <laughs> is nonsense. What Jimmy yeah. said, do you know what I mean? It was yeah. I, I've come off the training ground. He's asked me for an autograph. As he's asked me for an autograph, he's. Yeah kind of told me about the money and I better get it otherwise this is going to happen that's going to happen yeah. so yeah it was scary but at the end of the day it was my own fault do you know what I mean it's you, you learn from your mistakes and once again people will say to me how 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 do you then play football when you've got that going on in the back of your head yeah. but that's just the type of person I am I was I was mentally focused on doing my best for the club and the mental toughness and I was mentally mentally strong enough to, to block them sort of things out, do you know what I mean? Definitely, yeah. Now you know, let's let's go on to some more, you know, on the pitch stuff for you. You know, you were you were known for scoring yeah. late late winners at town. I think you scored three during your time at the club, one against Coventry, a ninety fifth minute winner. Uh, can you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, the, yeah. The, it was the header I think it was. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, I, I remember it well it was it was freezing. Um <laughs> And it, it was pissing down the rain. Yeah. Um, and the cross has been whipped. I think it was a cross has been whipped in and I managed to get flicking on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's Carlos Edwards who whipped yeah, it in. Yeah, no, I remember. Yeah, yeah, and I remember going sliding towards the fans yeah. and that sort of thing. And uh, somebody jumped on, on my back and on my neck. And yeah. I, I think I tweaked my neck. It was, <laughs> it was killing me after the yeah. game. But yeah, do you know what? Look, I scored some important goals. Do you know what I mean? And I always remember Ipswich Town fans. They say that was one of the most important. I remember the late when I scored against Watford yeah. when we won one nil. When we we were flying in the league, uh, the the football we were playing leading up to that goal, it, it was brilliant. Um, so yeah, I've look. Town fans might not think I don't remember these things, but these are these are special moments that. I remember in my time that was probably seven years ago. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because look, Ipswich is still poor me. Definitely, yeah. And you know, uh, you know that that Watford game, as you mentioned, that ended a fifteen-game hoodoo against them. So that was a, a good day all round in terms of you know you scoring a late winner. <laughs> Love that scenes, but actually finally beating Watford since like two thousand and four, I think it was. So that that was just that added the icing on the cake, basically. Well, yeah, obviously uh, Ipswich to Watford's not that far, so you get yeah. a lot of fans travelling. Yeah. And to, to end a hoodoo and look, it, it was against one of my old old clubs who I used to play yeah. for. But Watford fans weren't happy and 
I was celebrating and yeah. stuff like that. But when he, when he scored the winner, I think it was like 92 minutes or something. something like that, yeah. they're, 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 they're the most important goals, do you know what I mean? They're what makes what football is, do you know what I mean? It's the adrenaline and scoring a winner in the last minute and you've won the game 1-0 and then you find out it's ended a, a hoodoo. Is, to, to be part of that is, is special because you've, I've broke... You've you gone down in history, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You've got a hoodoo that had been with the club for so long that other players couldn't do. Definitely. But no, I like I said, look, I enjoyed it, do you know what I mean? I had some special moments there and I enjoyed I enjoyed going into the training ground the training ground facilities the seconds and on. They're up there with the best yeah. uh, that, I, that I'd been at. Uh, we we had a great set of lads. We'd all play PlayStation together. We'd all go out for meals at ZZ's um, and the the, um, the other place where we used to go, the Asian cuisine place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we it was it, it was brilliant. You know what I mean? We had a group of lads, and it was it was brilliant. And funnily enough, I actually spoke to Tommy Swift a couple of days ago as oh, well. Uh, I spoke to him and just asking how he was and what he's up to. Yeah. And look, he's he, an ex-player. Of, uh, town as well so I started, look, I've still got fond memories of the football club yeah. I enjoyed it Definitely. yeah then you know you know, Paul Jewell got sacked and Mick McCarthy came in um, what was your first reaction of that and you know how did you get on along with Mick and of course you didn't play much with under I, him I wasn't, but... I wasn't really I wasn't really playing towards yeah. the end of Paul Jewell's tenure yeah. uh, um, and then I thought Mick McCarthy's link to the club I thought this was brilliant mm-hmm. because when Mick was at Sunderland uh, I was in the reserves at Newcastle and mm-hmm. I was I was doing really well in the reserves. He knew about me. He tried to sign me a couple of times, and mm-hmm. I thought, "Yes, this is brilliant. Please, may come to the club and, and and help me." But it, it didn't work out like that. He come to the club and he didn't really play me. Uh, didn't really see eye to eye to me. Uh, told me at the end of the season that he was going to put me on a transfer list. Mm-hmm. He was going to take my squad and involve me. Wow. Um, so I basically kind of. Stuck my fingers up with you and I was like, fuck you then. Yeah. I'm going to sit here. Yeah. And then he basically said, well, if you're not going anywhere, I'm going to make sure you do every public appearance. Even if it's travelling two, three hours, you'll be doing it. And look, Mick's a tough guy, do you know what I mean? You, you don't want to get on the wrong side of him. Um, and if I didn't turn up for them appearances, he would find me. So he, he had a way around it. So I just said, I just said to him, what, what is it you want? He says, well, I want you out of the club. He says, you're the biggest earner at the club and I need you off the wage bill. I says, okay, go and speak to Marcus Evans. You know what to do. Yeah. So he then come back to me and he was like, you're going to Bonsley. I was like, I'm not going to Bonsley. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, you are. I've spoke to your agent. I says, who's my agent? He mentioned some guys now. I says, he's not my agent. <laughs> I says, so you can ring Bonsley up and tell him that. I'm not going because I'm I've not spoke to anyone. So then I spoke to the people at Blackpool and I went to Blackpool instead of Barnsley. And that was only because Mick had basically said I was going to Barnsley. I think it's look, he's from that area, do you know what I mean? So I think he tried to to push me through to Barnsley. Uh, but yeah, I just fell out with him and come back to pre season and just said to him, Look, if you don't want me here, you know what you've got to do, speak to the Marcus and, and come up with something and, and, and put a deal together and we will agree and I'll leave uh, look he'd done it you know we fair play to him he didn't, he didn't force me to be at the club and stuff like that he just wanted me out and get me off the wage bill basically so he could bring other players in 
Yeah, fair enough. And of course, at the time, Marcus was tightening the purse strings a little bit because he's been burnt a few times, you know, with Roy Keane's appointment and Paul Jewell's appointment. But, you know, it sounds like, you know, you you remember Town, your time there fondly. Of course, some fans will have different opinions on you, but it sounds like, you, you know, you, you enjoyed your time there and you still think about it now, which is, I think a lot of fans will, will like love to hear that. Well, yeah, look, I, I've always said, you know, I mean, I've never actually come out in, in public and spoke about it because yeah. I've never really spoke to anybody that's that's been close to the club. Yeah. Um, but when when you mentioned that you wanted to do an interview, I was yeah. I was I was happy to do it because I wanted to to let the fans know about my story, yeah. and I wanted to let the fans know that I actually did enjoy my town and I do have fond memories of the football club, and I did actually like playing for Ipswich Town, yeah. um, and I loved scoring goals in, in in front of them. Do you know what I mean? Portman Town was a, a, a good club to play for. Yeah. I remember look, the, the stadium was fantastic, the pitch was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had great memories there. I've told you about some of the memories. You know, when you talk about the Coventry game, you talk about West Ham 5-1, you talk about the Watford game. Mm-hmm. They're memories that stick in my head because mm-hmm. they, mean, they mean something to me. Seven, eight years on, they still mean a lot to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Some players forget about it because yeah. clubs like that don't mean anything to them. But yeah. look, I kind of thank the football club enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In a way, I'm, I'm where I am today because of them. They didn't have to do that, but they such a, a nice club and such nice people at the football club that they care about you. They don't just care about the football side, but they actually care about the players as well. And not many clubs do that. Yeah. And um, as you said, you made your move to Blackpool. You know, it wasn't as successful there. You know, Paul Wintz was the manager, I think, there. Did you... What went sort of wrong there? Because Blackpool, they're having a, a bad situation, really, with their owners and everything. Um, pretty much everything was bad at Blackpool. Yeah. Um, I was there. Paul Wintz was there. Thomas Wintz was there. Mm-hmm. Everything Paul done was for Thomas. Yeah. Uh, I'd be playing up front... Thomas would be playing left of me, and he would uh, he, in the team talks he would he would tell me that to play more right side, and I was like, well, why do you want me to play more right side? I'm a striker, I can go left to right. He says, don't go on the left, leave that for Thomas. So everything was about Thomas, and it was it was bizarre. Do you know what I mean? It was it was strange. Uh, Sometimes some games he wouldn't he wouldn't play me. Uh, it, it was weird because when we were doing a a game of head tennis in, in two touch. I'd be the first person he'd pick. In, in, he used to join in training. I'd be the first person he would pick. Mm-hmm. And he, he'd pick me because I probably had one of the best touches in the club in a, in a under, being under pressure. Yeah, yeah he didn't trust me in a, in a game. So I was pleased to see the back of him. And look, he, he basically was at the football club just for his son. You know, mm-hmm. He thought his son was going to go and play for... Barcelona, Inter Milan, and, and them sort of teams. Do you know what I mean? It was nonsense. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't believe it when he was telling me to <laughs> to play um, sort of more right side, or if Thomas was playing on the right, play more left side. Yeah. And basically telling the players when you get the ball, look for Thomas. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was it, it was bizarre. How, how can he do that? Look. At the end of the day, everything he wanted to do was for his son. He's a manager, and that's his boy. He's going to look after him. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't really enjoy my time. I was happy to to see the back of the club. It wasn't. It wasn't a club where I enjoyed playing. Um, the training ground was was poor. 
mm-hmm. um, was like playing on concrete oh, nice. in training. They wouldn't, yeah. they wouldn't water the pitches or nothing. Mm-hmm. You had to, you had to bring your own water bottles in, in training kit. So yeah, on the football side, it was, it was disappointing. But yeah. off the pitch, um, like I say, they 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 they've done a lot for me. Um, Sam and and Owen did a, did a lot for me, and I was grateful for what they'd done for me off the pitch. But as a football club, I thought they they kind of ran the club in the wrong way. Yeah. Then um, you know, your next move was to to India. Of course, you know, you got heritage of India. I think your father's Indian. I think it is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah so um, yeah. that must have been a, an opportunity you want to jump out. I think that was it, that first well, season. I could, have, I could have stayed in England. Yeah. Um, continued to play, but they were deciding to do a new league in India, yeah. um, and I wanted to be part of a new league. Um, people are talking about, oh, you've only gone for the money and stuff like that. But look, there was a wage cap on every player, every foreign player that went into the, into the club, apart from the marquee players. Every foreign player that went there was on the same money. Uh, so yeah, I, I wanted to be part of a, a history and a legacy, and um, there was a draft, and I was the the very first pick in the draft. So there's a new league, and I'm made history by being the first person that's been picked in a draft. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed my time in India. I think going to India made me really appreciate what life was all about. Yeah. Uh, you seen you're living in a five six star hotel, and then you're coming out on the streets, and you're seeing people living in poverty yeah. it just makes you realise what life is all about and then you look back home and you can see in the newspapers about all these young football players about oh, they've been doing this in an iClub and that and I look back and I just realise yeah it was wrong what I used to do but mm-hmm. it made me a better person in life yeah. just by being in India it made me realise what life is all about you know, David James, I think, was your manager. You know, what was the standard yeah. like? You know, did you feel the standard was not going to be so great in the first season? But I think I read that. Yeah, the, sta- the standard was very poor in the first yeah. season. Um, the marquee players that brought to the football club, obviously, mm-hmm. David James, who was player manager. You had a Nalka, who was mm-hmm. past it. Yeah. Del Piero, who was 40. Oh, Matt Arati, who was close to that. Robert Perez was there. Mm-hmm. Lundberg was there. Mm-hmm. These were players that were past it, you know what I mean? But they only wanted the players in the league because they needed yeah. to have the league to be renowned around the world. Everyone, yeah. you needed to know about the Indian Super League. Mm-hmm. Indian players were shocking. Uh, couldn't pass a ball, weren't bothered if they give the ball away. Uh, but no, as as time's gone on, uh, the league's really come up and, and you can see because of how far... The, the Indian national team came. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when before the Indian Super League started, they were like 175th in the world. Oh, wow. And I think now, I think two years ago, they dropped to, to 95. I think now they're probably around about 105, 110. Okay. So the Indian Super League has improved the, the, their national team as well. And a lot more Indian players are getting coached better and they're becoming better players. Yeah. Definitely, and then you know your next move was um, a bit of a shock move because um, yeah. it's a, sort of connected to, with sort of my family in a, in a way, um, which will be a shock okay. to you as well. My my granddad's not he's not the biggest um, football fan, but one one time in a pub he got asked by this bloke said, "Oh, who, what team do you support?" And he just went Adelaide Athletic, 
And um, when really? I saw you move there, I thought, yeah. I straight away told my grandma, I went, oh, former town players just joined your team. And he went, oh, brilliant. So um, how did that move come about for you? You know, Adelaide Athletic, I think, I don't know, a Scottish championship team, I think. Yeah, championship was. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't playing. I'd come back from India. Yeah. Um, I hadn't been playing for two months. And then I just got a phone call out of the blue. Um, do you fancy playing for Alloway? Um Looked them up on Google. <laughs> Realised they were playing on artificial turf. <laughs> and it wasn't like the 3G turf that is used that you used to playing on. It was a bit worse. Uh, Realised they only get like a thousand fans. And it was part-time. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I think from being in India, realising what life is all about, I, I said, yeah, why not? Let, let's go up and have a challenge. I says, uh, so I went up there and I, I spoke to the manager um, and uh, the owner, Mike Mulvaney, and I said, what's your plans? And he says, we need to stay in the championship. I says, okay. Um, Rangers won the championship, Hibernia won the championship. So you, you, you're going to be playing in some competitive teams, you know what I mean? That, that, it, it was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, that season, we went into a playoff to stay in, in the championship. And um, I think it went down to the last game and we were getting beat off the team that was coming coming up in the, from the league below. Fall we were getting beat going into the second leg. Uh, I managed to score a goal on the stroke at half-time, which... which changed the game completely mm-hmm. we went on to win that game we stayed in the league and there, there it goes they me to the club to, to keep them in the championship and I did that and do you know what I enjoyed my time I enjoyed mixing with and I'll say this uh, the normal people do you mm-hmm. know what I mean they were, they were going to their 9th or 5 jobs going to training once a week on a, on a Thursday night and then playing football on a Saturday Um in a way, that's that's people's livelihoods. Do you know what I mean? And I I was part of that, and I had to I had to keep my standards because of what I had achieved in the game. But yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I played my part and kept them in the football in the in the championship. Definitely, and um, you then returned to India. You know, at that time where you you of course struggling with injuries and stuff like that. Did you feel it your your time could have been up soon in terms of playing stuff like that? You yeah, went back to India. Um, the second time I went to India uh, I had an ankle operation playing for Alloa terminated my contract at Alloa and decided to to get an operation it was my first operation that I'd ever had in my career Um, on my my ankle which my ankles were more horrendous all the way through my career Um, so playing on the AstroTurf probably didn't help and it was taking its toll um, so yeah, I had to have an operation and I had to be fully fit to, to go and play in India. Um, I didn't play then. I went then the first year. We got to the final. I didn't go the second year, and the team I was in, we finished bottom. I think it was. So they asked me to come back in the third year, and it was a challenge because they'd gone from getting to the final to finishing bottom. So why was that? So I went there the third year and. We got to the final, <laughs> so yeah, it could have. Look, I enjoyed it. You know what I mean? Getting to the final and not winning, but the main thing is you you've got another medal. Do you know what I mean? I know it's a runners-up one, but it's another another medal to to go in the cabinet. Um, 
and then obviously being in India afterwards, I spent probably a year there, started to do my coaching badges. Uh, I was doing a lot of TV work for a TV station up in there, mm-hmm. doing all the Champions League games and the Europa League games. Uh, it was a great experience. It was something different for me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was something totally different and something that I, I totally enjoyed. Yeah, you know, you, you 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 know, you retired. I think you were only thirty two, thirty three. So, you know, we did be disappointed to retire that early. You know, of course, people have retired earlier than that, age wise. But it didn't. It didn't. Do you know what? It didn't yeah. really come in my mind about yeah. retiring. It was just a case of well, I wasn't really playing, mm-hmm. and I was doing other things in football. Yeah. So I quite enjoyed doing the TV work and everything. Yeah. So I didn't really want to continue playing football. Yeah. Um, it was one of those things where do I do the TV, which might lead on to something when I actually do finish playing football, or do I keep playing? Yeah. Um, playing football that wasn't really enjoying it at that age, probably not. Um, I wanted another challenge, and doing the TV and helping kids in India was was my next challenge that I, that I really enjoyed doing. Yeah, that was the sort of next question I was going to ask about. You know, what have you been up to for the last three years? So you've been doing TV and helping. You know, young lads. Yeah, so I was, I was doing the TV in India. Yeah. Um, then I, when, when I was in India, I was doing a, a football conference mm-hmm. uh, about how to improve football in India. Yeah. Uh, um, the, the main guy for Ajax Youth, Kone, was in India doing a big uh, talk about why Ajax produced the best players, how India can copy it. And it was, re- it was really interesting seeing basically seeing how Ajax do it. So I was chatting to him. He put me in touch with one of his close friends. He was a football agent. Uh, we just got chatting and he asked me if I wanted to, to join his agency and work as, a, as an agent sort of thing. And I jumped at the chance. So I moved to, I moved to Amsterdam um, 2017, I think it was. Um, so yeah, I was living in Amsterdam, total new city, working as a, an advisor and a consultant for moving players. Um, one of the biggest players that I moved was Jason Punchin took him to Pavos in Cyprus okay. uh, last last summer mm-hmm. um, so yeah it was good it was it was enjoyable um, then I met somebody else and decided to to come out to Indonesia mm-hmm. and I came out in November mm-hmm. last year uh, got chatting to some football clubs mainly because I wanted to try and bring players to Indonesia yeah. see what the market was like just got chatting uh, went back to the UK for Christmas came back out to Indonesia in January kind of got stuck here with uh, with COVID-19 and mm. thankfully for me it's worked out yeah. because I got speaking to a lot of powerful people mm. uh, so now I'm working with uh, an academy in Indonesia that is owned by one of the ministers. Okay, brilliant. And they, they don't have any grassroots programs in Indonesia for kids. Mm-hmm. So in the UK, you've got kids that will train during the week on a, for the Sunday league team and then they play Saturday, Sunday. In Indonesia, they don't do that. They don't okay. have any of that. So I'm coming up with a project and a plan for the sports minister and the president of the country, President Jokori, that basically a map of football from under 8s to under 16s oh, and the benefit this could have for the national team would be fantastic mm-hmm. because I think they're going to try and get the Olympics in 
2032. Okay. So you've obviously got the World Cup in 2030, you've got the Olympics in 2032, mm-hmm. and the World Cup in 2034. Yeah. So me working with this academy, with the ministers, and putting the league together in 10 years' time, these uh, under-8s to under-14s should be their pinnacle to play yeah. in the national team if the, yeah. the setup's done. So taking all the, the knowledge I got from Ajax and what they do, I try and bring it to Indonesia and show the government and show academies out here what they should be doing. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's what I'm busy doing at the minute, a, a big project in in Indonesia for, for grassroots football and working with an academy that's, that's owned by one of the ministers. And I'm enjoying it. It's... Yeah. it's uh, it's 34, 35 degrees every day, oh, nice and warm. Yeah. Uh, I go jump in a swim pool whenever I feel like it. Yeah. And I've got Bali that's one hour away on a flight. Oh, do you know what I mean? So I can jump on a yeah. flight and go to Bali if I need to go on a beach. Days. I live I live in Jakarta, which is the capital of Indonesia. So yeah, it's mm. perfect. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a city that it's a it's a, a country that's on the up. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of financial gain here. Yeah. Look, it's I'm enjoying it. It's, it's a good challenge for me, and something that I'll grab with with, with both hands and, and hopefully succeed. Definitely, you know, it sounds like you're now in a a great place in your life, which is you know I think for anybody who's listened to this is you know great to hear. And you know what what is the future for you as well in terms of what other stuff you like to do? Would you like to get into coaching? Maybe manage a team? Maybe even manage India? Maybe one day. I, well, I started to do my coaching badges in India because yeah. that's what I thought I was going to going to do. Yeah. Um, but now I'm working with with kids yeah. in in Indonesia. I'm working with the academy out here, mm-hmm. so I want to give them the opportunity that I had in the UK. Yeah, why is it? Why is it? There's no superstars from Indonesia playing yeah. in Europe. Uh, let's try and find one of them hidden gems because the market. There's 260 million people that live in yeah. Indonesia. Yeah. 190 million. Have confirmed their football fans from yeah. the viewing of the World Cup in uh, 2018. Mm-hmm. So there is an appetite for football here. It's just trying to to get the right ingredients together and trying to to find the hidden gems. Definitely. And well, Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Um, thank you for your honesty. And you know, as I said before, I think I think the listeners will will love hearing this. So, is there anything else you want to add before we? No, that's it, mate. I've really, yeah. I've really enjoyed speaking to you. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I, I enjoyed you reaching out to me and asking yeah. me if I wanted to do it. And look, I've I've really enjoyed the interview, and I hope everyone else that that's listened has, has finally realised that I'm not this bad person after yeah. all. Do you know what I mean? There was, I had a time in my life where realistically I shouldn't have been but I was and I've come out on the other side looking looking forward to, to life in the future cool. have you have you been back to it since you've left you know did you go to a game or are you planning to maybe one day if, if possible I'd, I'd, I'd love to go back in the yeah. future I've never been back yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't know how the fans would take yeah. to me if I went back but yeah. now look it's come out what's happened and yeah. my memories of the club so maybe now people will, will understand and take me a different way and, and mm. understand my opinions. Uh, so yeah, I'd love to go back at, at some point. You know what I mean? Let's hope they, let's hope the club can can get to where they should be. They don't deserve to be where they are, and, and hopefully they can uh, climb up the leagues again. From true crime to football, Brexit to football, more great podcasts from Archon. Head to audioboom.com/channel/archon.
gmail.com slash channel.